0: It's an exciting time in tech, one that comes every year. It's conference season, and if you work in tech, odds are you have a number of events on your calendar. Those gatherings range from high-profile to things that are more niche, more specialized, that could be tailored to a certain type of job industry or discipline. Maybe you've attended a conference, and you've looked at that in-person or virtual stage and thought, hey, maybe one day I could do that. But the path from watching a talk to actually speaking at a conference may seem unclear. Do you apply, or is it all about who you know? What do you need to apply? How does one decide what to talk about, and is the thing that I want to talk about really important? Doesn't a person have to be an expert in their area? The truth is, tech talks aren't just for the CTOs of the world. With a little bit of work, commitment, and perspective, speaking at a tech conference is an attainable goal. Where does one start working towards that goal?
1: This is Compiler, an original podcast from Red Hat.
2: We're your hosts.
1: I'm Brent Semino.
2: And I'm Angela Andrews.
1: We go beyond the buzzwords and jargon and
2: simplify tech topics. Today, we untangle the process of speaking at a tech conference.
1: Producers Kim Hwang and Johan Philippine have a thing or two to say about it.
3: One of the first times that I spoke in public, I had one person in the first row that started sleeping during my talk. (laughs) And this person was one of my best friends.
4: (laughs) Oh my gosh, that hurts. This is Francesco Tissio. He is a senior developer advocate at Ivan, a software company based in Finland. He's done a lot of speaking at tech conferences. As you can probably tell, he's had a lot of different experiences at them as well. I came across uh, his profile when I was doing research for this episode, and he wrote an article that was meant to demystify one of the more, well, opaque aspects of speaking at conferences, the abstract.
2: Wow. So as someone who has submitted an abstract for Mm. maybe one conference and it was shot down, pew, pew, and it was just like, no, we don't want to talk about that. So Mm. I had to regroup and come up with something totally different.
4: Mm.
2: When I say different ends of the spectrum, Different ends of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Wow. That abstract was received, and the comments were: "This is the best abstract we ever seen." How do you go from <laughs> zero to one hundred? <laughs> oh my! So I know how it feels when you're you're so passionate and you think you got it right, and you put your heart out there, and they're like, "Nope."
4: And it's oh. like, "Oh my goodness!"
2: It's 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 devastating. It really is. But we we pick ourselves up and we regroup and we kind of figure it out. Mm. Yeah. So, Angela, in your own words, what is an abstract? It's that thing that tells the audience what the talk is going to be about. It breaks it down. So if I'm looking for sessions to attend, the abstract is what's going to grab me. That's what's going to pique my interests. Mm. I love a good abstract.
1: Mm -hmm. I think there are two audiences for an abstract. Okay. So one of them is conference attendees.
4: Yeah. The
1: other one is the organizers of the conference.
4: exactly? Uh-huh. You're
2: right, because I was on a CFP committee where I had to read hundreds of abstracts. And trust me, the bad ones go real fast. Uh-huh.
4: <laughs> <laughs> wow. Johan, really quick, I want to talk mm-hmm. to you because you have a specific uh, experience with abstracts as well. Can you talk about that?
0: Yeah, it used to be part of my job to help my colleagues, my coworkers, write abstracts for tech conferences. To really? And get them, yes. Yep. Oh, that's and get fascinating. Them the nice. Yeah. And it was you know, it was a lot of work and not all abstracts got accepted just because of the nature of the conference circuit, right? I mean, mm-hmm. there are only so many slots and no matter how interesting your abstract is, sometimes they just don't have the room for it sometimes it's not the right track and an abstract that might be accepted at one conference even a really big one might not be accepted at another one mm. so my advice there would be try not to take it too personally yeah but you know the the, the angela what you've been saying so far is is right on the money that it's got to really grab you it's got to be pretty short because people want to go through the the list pretty quickly and yes. figure out A, is it right for the conference? And then B, for the attendees, is it something that they actually want to to go see without having to read a very long and Mm -hmm. involved summary of of your talk? Right. Mm.
4: I want to get back to Francesco because after seeing a lot of people that he knew struggle with writing abstracts, he Mm -hmm. decided to write a blog about the process.
3: The abstract job is to convince people that they should absolutely listen to your talk not all the abstract will be successful you will get some of them accepted you will get some of them rejected but the main thing is that if you don't write any abstract there are no chances to go and speak in public (laughs) so Mm. I started writing about how you can build what I think is a successful abstract or something that is more likely to be accepted at conferences Mm.
4: So let's talk about that for a bit, both here and in his blog. He says that there's no foolproof formula for writing an abstract that is going to guarantee success, right? Mm. Even, Even he has dealt with rejection in that regard. Oh,
2: I'm sure. Well, one, I can't wait to read the uh, blog post because I'm really interested in what he thinks about that. And and the other thing is rejection is a part of the game. Think about it. If a conference has 60 sessions and 700 submissions are submitted – That's a lot of rejection. But, Mm -hmm. you know, but you really can't take it personally. I Mm -hmm. I think having that mindset, like it's almost like a numbers game. It's a lottery. You just have to do your best to, like, put your best foot forward. And and maybe you'll be at the top of the heap. But you're right. Uh, You have to deal with it. I think everyone who's ever presented has had to deal with some sort of rejection Mm -hmm. like that. Yes. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, the abstract is a very strange genre you have to do a lot of work in a very little space mm. uh-huh. and i think sometimes we want formulas sometimes we want if i just do x y and z then it will be a great abstract hmm. that's what we want but that's just not reality because communication is so much more of an art <laughs> you know that's than a true. science <laughs> uh-huh.
4: I do want to get into the finer points because there are some things here, and most of them won't surprise anyone here, but they're all good things to remember.
1: Mm.
4: So, first off, the title, right? Please keep it simple and clear, right? People know what they're getting into when they read the title. Mm -hmm. Uh, A funny title does show off your personal style, but you should also kind of be careful to demonstrate what the attendee will learn from the session. You always want to kind of make that the emphasis. And also, obviously, it goes without saying uh, every event has their own guidelines. Please pay attention to those as well. Mm -hmm.
1: If you think about how the audience is going to encounter that title, Mm, it's really important. So context matters here. Indeed, Uh It's going to be on a conference website. It's going to be on the conference app if they have one. It will be perhaps if it's a smaller conference, like in a booklet, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And people are going to be uh, scrolling and scrolling and scrolling through so many titles. Uh It's almost like a sea of titles in some ways. So it is. I think that's something to remember.
4: It is. It's a title wave. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Did did you say title wave? Oh Oh, my gosh. She sure did.
4: (laughs) Wow. Uh, another really great thing to remember, and I'm glad you brought this up, Brent, is uh, the digital aspect of it. Yeah. From a from a digital perspective, because there's so many different places and areas where the title of your abstract can appear, yep. yes. it may appear truncated. So oh, yeah. you have to kind of keep that in mind, kind of like a little like UX that you're keeping in mind, like yeah. where you know if this person is looking on it on a mobile phone, is my title going to be fully read or is it going to be truncated or cut short? So that is something to keep in mind. Simple and clear.
2: Uh-huh. If you have a really long, lofty title, mm. the something may get lost in translation. Yeah. You just think about it. We're in the middle of conference season, and I'm looking at conferences, and I'm trying to figure out, well, where will I spend my time? And again, if it's not grabbing you, if it's not in your wheelhouse, um, if it's not clear, and it just it, – there's so many – There's so many things that can come into play where, wow, this won't catch someone's attention.
1: Mm -hmm. What about the abstract itself, Kim?
4: A couple of things that he points out about the abstract itself. He says that you should describe what the value is for both attendees and event organizers, Mm. kind of going back to what you were saying earlier, Brent. Mm. You also want to make sure that you write a really short elevator pitch. So maybe not the full version of the abstract, but like a little, like, the cliff notes of a larger kind of abstract so that Uh something that you can say in like 15 seconds you should also think about what problem or challenge that your talk is actually going to address you want to make it about your experience personally not someone else's experience and you also want to talk a little bit about your takeaways of whatever thing that you're presenting not just about the technology itself Mm.
1: this is so important having your Abstract be audience centered, uh-huh. and making it really clear what your audience is going to get out of it. I think sometimes our impulse is to talk a lot about the technology because yes. it's really cool, yes. you uh-huh. know, yes. like it's really cool, and also about ourselves, which is not a bad thing, right? Uh-huh. But it has to be in the service of your audience, Absolutely. right? So what is your audience going to take away from it? What value will they get from it?
2: Exactly. You hit the nail on the head because you're going to read that abstract and say, well, what am I getting out of this? Yeah. Mm. You want to spend your time wisely. Uh-huh. What am I getting out of this? So if that is included, people know what they're getting and that just makes choosing your choosing your talk that much easier. Oh, I, this is definitely what I want to walk away with,
4: mm-hmm. for sure. Yes.
0: One of the big things I would suggest is keeping your abstract itself really short. Yes. Mm-hmm. And getting to that point right away for all the reasons we've just been saying. But a lot of the tendencies I saw in my day-to-day job back in the day was that they would pretty much put the entire talk in the abstract. Yeah. Oh. Oh, I've yeah. seen that. And it's it gets to be really long and it's just you're you're go, when you're going through the abstracts and you're trying to figure out what you want to go see, you see this huge block of text and you're like, I don't want to read that right now. I'm just trying to set my schedule. They don't need to see that in the abstract. They're going to see yeah. that in your talk. Right. So you just want to grab their attention. Just enough to be like, oh, I want to go see this. This looks interesting. And then you can give them all those details in the talk itself in the presentation. So oh. two very short paragraphs
1: would be what I what mm. I would suggest. You bring up a really interesting point, Johan. Mm-hmm. And thinking about like context of like that second audience, which is like the CFP committee mm-hmm. or the selection committee yes. and like the environment in which they are encountering your proposal or your abstract. Right. It's
2: not the friendliest way to read anything. So no. be mindful. Yeah. <laughs> mm.
1: Well, Angela, you said that you've been on a CFP committee, right?
2: Yes. Yes.
1: What can you maybe like pull the curtain back on that process a little bit?
2: I would love to. Actually, I should probably bring up the uh, information. So what they they try to put it in a format in an in an app where you can sort uh, by topic, by uh, location, you know, where, where your presenter is from, just all this other stuff, you know, who's attending, who's it for. So you try to make, you, you try to do your sorting. And once it's sorted, you're, you're looking through them. So there's always the title. And, you know, you're reading the title and then you get to the, the square that has the abstract in it. And because you have to read, you know, hundreds, sometimes thousands, you know, mm-hmm. you think about how big some of these conferences are. When you're scrolling and scrolling and (laughs) you're getting through this, oh, it's like, I can't, I don't even want to read this. Sorting is important, I think, especially when you're trying to sort and read abstracts that are in your wheelhouse. Mm
4: -hmm. I don't
2: want to judge someone's abstract that's talking about, I don't know, you know building spaceships. I don't know anything about building Mm -hmm, spaceships. mm -hmm. I only want to be able to grade the things that I can read and and liken myself to. Say, oh, this is great. Oh, they've hit the marks. Oh, I want to see this talk. So Mm -hmm. that you're on the CFP committee, but you're putting yourself like as a attendee. And do I want to see this? You know, and you want to put stuff out there that folks really want to see, that they're going to get their time's worth and their money's worth. So that's basically what it is. And then you check it off you say, needs work, or heck no, or this is awesome.
1: How do those decisions get made, though?
2: Well, we have a rubric, okay, uh, which to follow. And, you know, because how you interpret the rubric can be very personal. It really does help to give you those guideposts on how to select uh, a, a topic. So, like I said, I'm going to want to see something based on things that are in my wheelhouse. The committee, they try to select it from a, a swath of people with different mm-hmm. technology backgrounds. So you're not just getting, you know, this one technologist who knows this one thing. Hopefully it's, it has a, a lot of depth in it. So we can be able to bring a lot of uh, personality in a lot of different technologies to the conference. So... That's the main thing. You want a diverse group of folks, different backgrounds, different technology backgrounds that are grading these abstracts. These event organizers are really being very thoughtful in who they pick and choose to be on their committees, which is smart.
4: Francesco says that a person who can focus on telling their story and talking about their experience working on a project or learning a new process or technology, that is the best approach to take when you're thinking of submitting for a talk. And those are the types of talks that leave a good impression on attendees.
3: The fact that you were able to share your experience, that you were able to help others probably avoiding a problem that you had or helping others, having a short connection to solve a specific issue because you already solved it and you demonstrate how you solve it, is something which to me is amazing.
4: And when you think of speaking on a stage, you think a lot about sharing your victories. But Francesco says speaking at conferences isn't all about sharing the good news. Mm. It's also sharing about the bad and uh-huh. the failures as well.
3: It's not only about success. Uh, There are really good stories to tell about failures. And you can help others make the same steps or avoid the wrong steps that you did in your first experience. So my suggestion is not wait to have always the complete picture about every single detail on a specific topic. Because there are chances that you will never have the super complete picture. But try to be solid in what you say, try to back up with some expertise that you're doing on the field, and go on stage sharing your passion, sharing what you learn, and the steps that you did in order to learn what you did.
2: People love steps.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: People like the top three, or these are the steps I followed, and mm-hmm. you know, that's how we think. Though You think about when you're reading a, a magazine, and what usually catches your attention? Something that's telling you exactly how to do something.
4: <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> you know, but, but in that, I think when he talks about the failures, because we know that there are going to be some, I love it when people are open and say, you know, don't do this because this is what happened when I did it. This is not mm. the best practice. Mm-hmm. This did not work for me. And that's that. You want that awareness. It's like, wow, I learned something here. Maybe I was heading down this path, and it was definitely the wrong path. So you get to hear someone else's perspective, the good and
4: the bad. Mm -hmm. I asked Francesco for some parting advice for up-and-coming speakers. Here's what he had to say.
3: Don't wait until you have the full picture of technology before going on stage. Talk about your experiences. You have a ton of things to share even if you are not 10 years into a technological field. Conferences need new speaker. Conferences need n- new voices. Technologies need new eyes to help understanding all the things that we old people gave for granted.
4: So, all right, let's imagine we're trying to submit an abstract for a talk. Mm-hmm. And the abstract is complete. We've written it, we've had a friend of ours read over it, and we have submitted. And it's been approved. What, what happens when it's time? to deliver a talk you panic we're gonna hear uh, (laughs) (laughs) because now you have to
2: do the work (laughs) oh boy
4: yes a lot of work as we talked about and a lot of time commitment too Mm -hmm. but what happens when it's time to put you know rubber to the road we're gonna talk about that next
1: Hi, I'm Jeff Ligon. I'm the director of engineering for Edge and Automotive at Red Hat. The number one hesitation that I think folks have about Edge is that they assume they're not ready for it. They think that it'll mean starting over from scratch, or that every time their business needs to change, they will be re-engineering solutions and re-evaluating vendors. And look, Edge is complex, and it does mean a different approach, particularly for devices at the far edge. But with Red Hat, it doesn't mean starting over with new platforms. We've taken the same enterprise solutions that simplify and accelerate work across the hybrid cloud and optimize them for use at the edge. So you can manage your edge environments just like you do the others. Come find out how at redhat.com slash edge.
0: Francesco told us a bit about, well, not just a bit, a lot about how to apply for talks. Kim and I also spoke to Sharon Guy, who shared her path from tech to a career in speaking.
5: My name is Sharon Guy, and I've been in e-commerce for 10-plus years. Throughout my career, I fell into the speaking world, and so now what I'm doing full-time is hosting workshops and keynotes in different conferences around the world. She told us
0: about her first time speaking and how nervous she felt but also why she was feeling so nervous.
5: Not really sure what the audience was expecting, how I should position myself, what words I should say or not say to um, offend people. But I I think, you know, in in that instance, it was a, a lot easier once it was finished to know that there was not many things to worry about anyway. And I think that's usually how I always feel after going on stage in front of hundreds or thousands of people is the beginning part of it is very nerve wracking. And then you step off and you're just like, it could have been any sort of talk with any number of people and it would have probably been just fine.
0: That last bit is pretty key. It seems pretty daunting, but once you're up there and you're done with the talk, it's not as bad as you thought most of the time. I mean, there's always the risk of totally bombing a talk or or a presentation, but more often than not, things go pretty well. Now, Kim, I know you've given some talks, Angela, you as well. Does that ring true to you?
4: I feel like it does. I feel like it does. I've definitely made my fair share of mistakes Mm. and been incredibly nervous and had a lot of the same thoughts and anxieties as Sharon was describing, Mm -hmm. but... All in all, like, my approach is to just, just do it and don't look back. Like, that's kind of like my, <laughs> that's my mantra. I like your
2: approach. Like yeah. <laughs> well, mine is pretty similar. I mean, I, I think I over-prepare and over-plan mm. and, and I stress. And there is just, you don't want to be terrible. You want mm-hmm. people to walk away with having learned something. And yeah. it's a lot of pressure that I... Think we put on ourselves. But when you're going through it, once it's over, it is the biggest exhale like, Mm -hmm. whew, Mm
4: -hmm.
2: you know, I didn't die. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing bad happened to me. It wasn't the worst. And when people either clap or, you know, want to talk to you afterwards, it's Mm -hmm. like, Oh my God, it wasn't terrible. Yeah. So it's we I think we do it to ourselves. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I think that stress that goes in when you, you're speaking, it makes you nervous. But trust me, you know, they're just people like us and they want to hear what you have to say and once you're done you've probably you've probably done a great job.
1: I will say a couple of years ago, I was at a large tech conference that will remain nameless. <laughs> uh, but there was probably like seven, 8,000 people in the audience. And uh, this guy gets up on stage from a very well-known company. And he walks out on stage and nothing happens. Hmm? It's like he's frozen. He can't oh, talk. Oh, my
2: God. Oh,
0: no. Oh. Poor guy. And,
1: you know, it's... the audience was like very... You know, like, very supportive Forgiving. and very, you know, like, cheering for him and, like, all that kind of stuff. But he just, he couldn't do it. He just could oh not do it. Gosh. And he had to just kind of, like, walk off stage.
2: Oh, that's wow. heart, that's that heartbreaking, like. I know. Uh-huh. And he probably prepared I'm and sure, was ready. Yeah. And, oh, I but, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. I
1: know. This is my stress dream, though. Like, even when it's <laughs> not... <laughs> Even when it's not related to like actually speaking at a conference, it's like when I get stressed out, just like in my work life or my personal life, this is a stress dream that I have that I like have to give a talk and Mm -hmm. I like prepare and prepare and prepare. And then I walk out on stage and I'm just sweating and I can't speak and I can't remember what I was supposed to do. Like (laughs) that stress is real. Like it It is is, so real for me. For sure.
0: Well, Sharon shared with us a little bit of how she continues to succeed on stage and not freeze up.
5: I think confidence is key, but obviously easier said than done. I think, you know, what is that classic saying? Imagine everyone in their underpants. That definitely works (laughs) to an extent. Um, I think knowing that. Everyone is there to listen to you mm-hmm. and just knowing that you are there because somebody put you there or you might yep. have put yourself there. You might mm-hmm. have volunteered yourself. That's what I find, too.
0: Personally, I'm not a fan of that very first one because if I'm thinking about or trying to imagine something, I'm not thinking about my talk as much and I'll end up getting distracted and lose my train of thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if that works for you, then go for it. What I try to remind people when they're preparing for a talk and they've been accepted and they're writing their presentation and maybe running through it with me is is that very last part. Everyone in that room is there to hear your story.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. People rarely go to conferences and breakout sessions expecting to, or hoping the speaker to fail, right? Yeah. And when there are moments where someone gets frozen on stage, I... More often than not, I would say it's like what Brent was just telling us about, where you know, even this guy was clearly terrified or or something. Yeah, the audience started clapping and cheering and saying like, "Hey, it's okay, you can do this." And, hey, people and get together it together. Yeah. We'll get through yeah, it. Yeah, people they understand. get it. You know, yeah.
2: it's okay. I love that. Yeah, we're rooting for you. Yeah, and we don't. You don't ever want to see someone fail mm-hmm. like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Right now, though, it might not seem like. Your experiences are worthy of people's time. You shouldn't limit yourself. Apply for a talk, submit an abstract, and then let the conference organizers and the audience be the judges of
1: that.
5: I think it is valid that everyone does have a story. And I think that is why in the speaking world, you know, topics like leadership, like creativity, um, they're almost very simple things. And if you really listen to a lot of the things that these speakers are saying, it sometimes might get repetitive but there is still value in it because it's different people telling that story
0: this is a big one yeah. and it's not just for you know the big keynotes and the things that you might hear from tech companies that sound all the same what i would tell people who were reluctant about applying to conferences is that they are the only person or one of the very few people working exactly on what it is that they're doing yeah now for some That's the latest and greatest technology, and they get to tell the world about it. But even then, I found it difficult to persuade colleagues to apply for talks. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, you might be working on implementations or see yourself as a code monkey. There are others doing that same kind of job, but they're probably not doing it in the same way. Mm -hmm. They might be hitting some roadblocks that you have cleared at some point. And like Francesco was telling us earlier on, there's a lot of value in sharing that, even if it's not at a conference. Conferences are only a part of the speaking ecosystem, right? Mm-hmm. You also That's true. Meetups, meetups, special interest yes. groups, and mm-hmm. all sorts of other opportunities to speak and share. Yeah. So if you're not quite ready for a conference, you know, try out the smaller venues. Work your way up. You have something to add. And as Sharon's about to tell us, it's part of a tradition that goes back a really long time
5: all these information tools and buttons existing is somebody telling a story to a group of people. And that's how we spread information back in the day. So there's almost like an ancient nostalgic inkling to, to that way of sharing information, sharing knowledge. That's a small silver lining to, to also me being in the speaking world.
1: There's something really special about conferences Uh and events, right? It is. It happens in that exchange from people who are giving talks to the audience. And then there's this other great thing that happens after the talk too, where, you know, everyone's kind of talking about what they just heard Uh and discussion happens and new knowledge is created. There's something really special about that.
4: Yeah. It makes me think of something I was mulling over earlier hearing you Brett talk a little bit about your experiences and what you thought about the abstract process and the application process and CFP. I feel like tech conferences are a collaborative experience where yeah. the communication is not linear, mm, right? Yeah. Yep. It's not just from speaker to audience or a speaker to attendee. Yes. It's from the speaker to attendee and back to the speaker again. It's yep. attendees to other attendees who spread word about what they've heard in a session. It's not linear. It's kind of it kind of builds out, It kind of has like a ripple effects where yeah. it reaches like a message can reach a lot of people just from mm-hmm. one Talk.
1: And as a speaker, I think that kind of takes some of the pressure off, you know. Oh, it does. Mm -hmm. Because it's like you're just having part of the discussion. You're sort of getting the discussion going. Like, think about it as kind of like starting a discussion at the conference or in the industry or something like that. It's not, it doesn't have to be like the most perfect, definitive, (laughs) you know, (laughs) talk on that topic. Mm -hmm. It's really, it's just one voice in an ongoing discussion that's going to continue after you've given your talk.
2: I agree. I think uh, conferences are are an amazing thing to attend if you ever get the opportunity to. Uh, someone who's been to uh, probably close to 30 conferences so far, if I'm, I'm looking at all the badges on my wall over here, <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> what you get out of it is not just the that one-way conversation, the way Kim had mentioned it, uh, but because this is about speaking at tech conferences, you think about this is that way that we used to learn with yeah. almost like this apprenticeship where you're listening to someone and you're learning from them and their 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 successes and their failures and the sharing of information and the sharing of knowledge and have being even able to have a conversation with the speaker at the end is is just it's an amazing feeling. And then there is the hallway track and the networking. And there is so much that goes into being a conference attendee, but definitely being a conference speaker, you're going to get so much. You're going to get so full after that when you get off that stage. It's 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 such a great feeling. And all that work you put into it, you see it come to fruition. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. a beautiful thing.
1: Yeah. All right, Kim, Johan, Angela, I'm kind of curious— about your one takeaway from this episode. Kim, do you want to go first?
4: Sure. I think that speaking at a tech conference is a a holistic experience. And if you're thinking about speaking at a conference, please don't hesitate because you feel like you don't know enough about a topic. Mm. It's not about proving your proficiency with the technology. It's about sharing your experiences with other people who are probably in the same position as you. So please keep that in mind. I like it.
0: Johan? I'm going to repeat my advice from earlier, which is that when you're writing an abstract, keep it short to the point and give just a little bit of information to get people's attention and then hold the rest back for your actual talk itself. Mm.
2: Oh, good one.
0: Mm. How about you,
1: Angela?
2: My takeaway is that you should just do it. Uh I think we put too much pressure on ourselves as people and... Just do it. Go ahead and put in that abstract. And the worst that can happen is that they'll say no. But if you don't put in for it, you're definitely getting a no. I think Francesco Uh said that. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm.
1: Yep. (laughs) I think it's important for me to remember, and I think for all of us to remember, that sometimes stress dreams, (laughs) I should say (laughs) most of the time, (sighs) almost all the time, stress dreams are just dreams. Right? Uh (laughs) They're just dreams. They're not reality. And so I I love the advice that we got that Mm -hmm. more times than not, almost all the time, you're going to look back at your talk and see that it was actually great. And all that stress dreaming was not worth the stress.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I like how you said that. So this was an amazing episode. And thanks for taking this journey with us. I'm hoping if you were ever thinking about putting in for a tech conference, you got your sign. Mm-hmm. You go ahead and do it. We want to hear what you think about this episode. Make sure you tweet us at Red Hat. Use the hashtag Compiler Podcast. We definitely want to hear what are your thoughts on the podcast and what conferences are you going to apply to now. Oh, that's what yeah. I want to know. Yeah, We'd love to hear it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And that does it for this episode of Compiler.
1: Today's episode was produced by Kim Wong, Johan Philippine, and Caroline Craighead.
2: And a big thank you to our guests, Sharon Guy and Francesco Tessio.
1: Victoria Lawton
2: encourages
1: all of us to take center stage and share what we know, even if it makes her fall asleep in the front row.
2: <laughs> our audio engineer is Christian Prohom. A special thanks to Sean Cole. Our theme song was composed by Mary Anchetta. Our audio team includes Lee Day, Stephanie Wonderlake, Mike Esser, Brent Semino, Nick Burns, Aaron Williamson, Karen King, Jared Oates, Rachel Ertel, Devin Pope, Matias Foundes, Mike Compton, Ocean Matthews, and Alex Trabulsi.
1: If you like today's episode, please follow the show, rate the show, leave it a review, and share it with someone you know. It really does help us out.
2: Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, take care.
1: All right. See you next time. All right.